Good morning, Mission Vineyard. For those of you who are here, for those of you who are online, my name is John Relly. I'm one of the pastors here. Happy Mother's Day, moms. You're so excited for yourselves. That's great. I said that sarcastically. That's all right. Uh, as we continue to run out of chairs in here, not knowing how we continue to flex this space. Uh, Andrew, do you mind being a, a good, amazing chair guy and grabbing more chairs from the back for us? Thank you. We're going to begin in worship this morning. We have an expectancy this morning. Robin, I wonder, you, you sensed a word from the Lord this morning. How comfortable do you feel sharing that word? Oh, fine. Okay. Yeah. practicing um, a song for the um, service this morning, I just heard the Lord say, my resting place, my resting place. And then when we started to sing, I surrender all, he was just encouraging me that, you know, when we are in his resting place of his heart, which is so big, that's where we surrender from that place just being in the resting place of God. So I'm just so grateful that God invites us into his big heart of love just to rest. And from there, it's kind of an adventure with him of maybe he'll speak or show us something or just bless us with impartation of more love. So, so one way we take that posture of rest is with a simple liturgy we have, it's just three words. It's just come Holy Spirit. So would you stand with me as we begin welcoming Jesus into all of life? We just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Not as an order, but of the cry of our heart. We open the door of our hearts this morning to find that rest. Would you sing with me? I have been restored. God. I thought it was the end, but it's just begun. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. Not for what I Restored to the love of God. I have been restored. 
This may be a new song for some, but it's a very old song, especially for our movement.
We come now to this wonderful moment that we get to take communion together. Part of our worship of our holy God. Not just worshiping Him, though, also experiencing Him, receiving Him in a unique way. And I would just say to those who are at home, this would be a great time to get some juice and some bread so that you can join us in communion. And if any of you here in the room don't have the communion elements, they're right over there by the door. So uh, we just want to remember that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus met with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke the bread and he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And after supper, in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so Jesus on the cross, his body was broken for us that we might be healed. His blood was shed for us that we might be cleansed. And through his work of redemption and through his resurrection, we have been made his people. We have been raised from the dead spiritually already, and we will be raised from the dead when he returns. In the meantime, he draws us together in communion to take the bread, to eat the bread and drink the cup together. And um, what a privilege that is. Let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity today to receive you by faith in these elements, in the juice and the bread. We worship you together. Come and heal us. Come and save us. Come and forgive us. Come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So let us eat the bread together. And let us drink the cup together. Amen.
Lord, we are so thankful for the way you welcome us to surrender all the things, repent of all the things, lay down all the things so that we can rest in you. So just between you and the Lord, unless you feel really confident, just to shout it out, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. Whatever you need to surrender, I surrender. I surrender my rest. I surrender my fear, Lord. I surrender my finances, God. I surrender my kids, God. with me all to Jesus I surrender all to Jesus I surrender Maybe scripture verses coming to mind. Maybe a word from the Lord. Just shout it out. you pray with me the prayer that the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. 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 We clap for you. Just go ahead. Clap for the Lord. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, God. We rest in you. For the Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thanks for your presence. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for being our king. Beautiful Savior, Jesus. Beautiful friend. Wonderful God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I would love um, to do this transition right now and um, transition to Larissa. Larissa, would you come up? And Larissa is going to talk to us about what's going on in the church. I want to name something. In these moments, sometimes, for those of you who have been in, in places of, like, spiritual high and maybe worship was powerful to you and you go, but then we go into announcement. It's like the Holy Spirit leaves. No. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave. The Holy Spirit's here. And so I'm just thankful for these moments where we get to celebrate what God's doing in us as a community. Larissa's going to speak to us about that. We get to worship him. And then we're going to celebrate moms a little bit. Katie's going to preach this morning a wonderful sermon on waiting on God. And we're just going to continue to see what he does. He doesn't stop. We continue to pay attention through all the things. So, Larissa, lead us with these announcements this morning. Okay, I think it's on now. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mission Vineyard. We're so glad you're um, with, with us this morning, worshiping um, here and online as well. If you are new and in person, we hope that you got um, one of the welcome bags. They're just out front, and they've got um, information about our church. And there's also a manna bag, and this is just a great opportunity to um, share with someone in need as you're out and about town. Um, it just provides some practical things for someone that may not have them. Um, we also have a lot going on with Mission Vineyard this month. For example, um, we've got lots of small groups meeting almost every night of the week. Um, we normally would have a small group tonight, but because it's Mother's Day, we're going to actually move it to next week. So that would be um, May 16th, and it's going to be at Harmony Hills Park. And um, if you have questions, you can also look online at our Facebook page, or at smallgroups.missionvineyard.org. Uh, we are also, on May 16th, going to have a um, Mission Vineyard lunch, and this is for people who are interested in learning more about Mission Vineyard and um, what we're all about and um, just how to get more involved. Finally, if you're interested in getting baptized, you can see Arlita. Um, she is, will be at the back table if you have questions about that. And that's going to be in two weeks on May 23rd. So if you're interested in being baptized, see Arlita. Um, so lastly, I just want to pray over our service and over Kate as she's going to be preaching today. Dear God, um, thank you so much for bringing us together just to take some time out from um, just everything that's going on, just to focus on you. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts for what you have to say through Kate's message. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we've got just a little video I wanted to share and then wanted to make sure you moms are getting cards and wanted to pray for you. So can we play that video right now?
She is clothed with strength and dignity. There's a verse that um, Katie is going to be, she's going to be preaching. It, um, it's, a, it's a verse that's come up in the preparation, and I feel like it's a verse for today. Uh, there was a, a word that before the sermons, before anything happens, that I should, or a non-mom or even a non-woman should pray blessing over you ladies this morning, you moms and uh, you, you ladies that are not moms. There's, there's a thing of, of what it means for God to bless women today that I think the church can take leadership in. And I, I want to name that this morning. Uh, I wish my mom was here so I could just lay hands on her and bless her in this way. Maybe mom you're watching, I don't know. Uh, but for you who may be in, uh, you're needing a blessing as a mom or as a woman today. It, it feels ironic that a man would do this. You don't need it from a man. That's not what we're saying. But there is, there is this, this, uh, this thing I get to do this morning, even as pastor. And so, uh, ladies, would you, would you receive this morning? And uh, you who are online this morning, and maybe even you, my actual mom, in place of your child and... Um, With risk, in in the voice of God, I bless you. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. You are clothed with strength and dignity. From the beginning of the world, I knew you and I planned for you. My joy in you, my purpose in you, and my hope in you. And I will fulfill it. I am the Lord your God, I love you, and you are clothed with strength and dignity. Today, would all the distractions pass away, and would the love of the Lord rise up from your belly, rise up inside of you, forward and outward from the top of your head down to the tips of your toes, that you would know the full and immense love of God and his blessing on your life that it would restore you, that it would empower you, that it would strengthen you, especially where you feel weak, that his love would clothe you with his light and fill you with life. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have cards for your moms. Hopefully you got it this morning. If you didn't, uh, raise your hand and say, I didn't get a card. I get one, and somebody will give one to you. Be angry and frustrated. No, don't do that. Someone's going to give you a card. And uh, we're just so thankful to be able to celebrate all around the world this day of moms. So, uh, Katie Boucher, would you come? And uh, you're going to be sharing with us a fantastic sermon. I've not heard it yet, but I know it's great. And I just want to pray for you, God, that um, you would speak through Katie. That's her desperate cry, God, especially on this day, especially with, like, no sleep at all because her baby woke her up in the middle of the night. God, that you would strengthen her this morning and speak through her and into her, God, this morning. That you, everything that she would preach, that you would preach back to her this morning. We bless you in Jesus' name, Katie. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for preaching. John was gracious enough this morning to tell me that it was okay for me to preach on a stool. And then he got me a shorter stool so I wouldn't fall off the stool that was up here. Because that would have been a reality for me. But good morning. I'm so um, glad to be here with all of you today. Um, Yes, I got to experience some very intense mothering with uh, my youngest this morning who woke up at 
2 a.m. not feeling well, and, and that was morning for us. So, um, if anyone else is feeling a little sleepy this morning, I'm, I'm with you in that, um, and I'm happy to be here, and happy Mother's Day to all of you. We are um, beginning a new series today, and it's a series on following Jesus and being disciples, and I'm going to start off today by talking about waiting on God. Now, I suggested uh, to John that he find somebody who was really, really good at this skill. Have you ever known somebody who just, um, who just embody, like, graciousness in all that they do and all that they wait on? Like, they just, nothing ever frazzles them. They're just gracious in all the things that they wait for. I am not that person. <laughs> so you guys get me this morning. I am not the gracious waiter. I am the person who uh, struggles with waiting well. And even in small things, things that would probably be uh, embarrassing to share in a larger group. For example, when we take road trips, my children will sometimes get a little irritated because I am the one who will be saying the whole time, are we there yet? (laughs) Because I have such a hard time with the waiting. They're perfectly happy and content, and I am like, are we there yet? So... uh, I hope that God uses uh, what he's been working in my life to share with you guys today. Uh, In the past couple of years, God has been um, teaching me and and molding and shaping my heart into more of a a season of waiting and a person of waiting than all the previous years in my life. Uh, And I'm often still really bad at it, honestly. Um, But one thing that God has really made very real to me, and it's the thing I would hope that you would remember from today, is that as followers of Jesus, uh, we don't know how long we'll wait, but we know that we don't wait alone. And so one of the things that uh, I have been leaning into in my own journey of learning to wait is I've really been studying the story of Abraham and Sarah. God has just continued to draw me back to their story as this example of waiting. And I wish I had time to tell you a lot more of their story uh, that could take much more time than we have today. But I wanna give you uh, just a little bit of the highlights of part of their story and then focus on a couple of uh, key moments or conversations that took place. So Abraham, basically his story opens, he's 75 years old, Genesis says, and God speaks to him and tells him, you and Sarah are gonna leave everything and travel to a land that I'm going to show you. So in answer to the question, you know, where are we going, it's basically like God says, well, I'll tell you when we get there, right? (laughs) A response that some of us might have given our own children before, traveling someplace. And in our culture today, we might find it uh, more unusual or uncommon if someone, as they became an adult, didn't leave their family and go to their own home or find their own, you know, sort of path. Um, But in this time, them leaving their family and their land and their home was essentially walking away from all of the things that currently gave them their identity. And God promises Abraham that he's going to make a great nation from his family and from his descendants. So Abraham and Sarah take all of their things and they leave and they travel towards Canaan. And then they spend about a decade sort of just moving around, right? And there's a lot here, again, that we're not going to have time to go into all the things that happened to them during this time, but they experience famine. They have to move about several times because they're they're experiencing famine. They face some disappointments. 
they face some conflict while they're just waiting on this promise that God's given them. And they've been strangers in this land, essentially, for about a decade. They have not had any children. And then the Lord appears to Abraham in a vision and again promises him a land and descendants. And this is now, at this point, the third time that God has appeared to Abraham and had a similar conversation with him. This uh, promise that's been given that has not yet been fulfilled, but God now gives it again. And he doesn't provide Abraham any specific logical basis, right? There's no proof. There's no, like, here's this small bit of evidence that you can hold on to as you wait. Abraham just has to respond in waiting by believing God's word. And he does. The text in Genesis 15, verse 6, says, He believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then I love, right after this, he turns around and he says, but God, how can I really be sure that I'm going to possess this? The Bible, it's just been mentioned that he is righteous because of his faith. And now he leans into this question of sort of some skepticism, right? How, how can I be sure, though, God? And I love that we get to see this part of Abraham's humanity. It's really encouraging to me, honestly, that he struggles here um, because he believes the the scripture is clear that he believes what God told him and he has this question he wants some some certainty and it doesn't just jump out at you as like wow what a powerful moment of faith in the New Testament Jesus teaches his disciples that we only need faith the size of a mustard seed and I feel like that's illustrated. We see that even here in Abraham's story. It's not his great faith that is so evident here. It's his faith in a great God. And the tiniest amount is enough if it's placed in the right person. So God reassures Abraham. And at this time, he walks with him through uh, this covenant ritual that was very common in this time to sort of seal this promise and kind of solidify it. And they go through this covenant ritual together. And then, what do you think happens next? The very next thing that Abraham and Sarah do, after this confirmation from God, this covenant is formed, is something that I think we are often apt to do while we wait. Uh, They attempted to help God, right? So they believed God. They believed he would fulfill his promise. We embrace the idea that God can do anything. Um, And sometimes, if you're anything like me, uh, you might think, but God probably needs me to help a little bit. He probably needs me to take some sort of action here. I mean, if I'm just sitting here doing nothing, that's kind of pointless. I could do something to help the situation along. So Sarah gives her uh, servant to Abraham as a wife, and this results in the birth of their son, Ishmael. This leads to a whole other set of circumstances and um, consequences that we're not going to go into today, but they kind of attempt to push God's promise along a little bit. 
And then we have this huge gap in their story. Their story basically jumps forward 13 years. And that's kind of where we're going to pick up in the scripture today. In Genesis chapter 17, now Abraham is 99 years old. And the Lord appears to him and says, I am God. Obey me and do what is right. I will make an agreement between us. I will make you the ancestor of many people. And Abraham bows face down on the ground. And God says to him, I'm making my agreement with you that you'll be the father of many nations. And he continues on for another quite a few verses, just confirming this idea with Abraham. And then he addresses Abraham's wife, Sarah. He speaks about Sarah and he says, I will bless her and I will give you a son from her. I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And Abraham bows down to the ground and he also laughs to himself in disbelief, thinking, how could I become a father at the age of 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham attempts to kind of bargain with God a little bit here and says, maybe Ishmael, maybe Ishmael is the fulfillment of this. It could just be Ishmael, God. And God said, no, your wife Sarah is going to have a son, and his name will be Isaac, and I will make my agreement with him. And it will be an agreement that continues forever with all of his descendants. So essentially, in a very short period of time, we've just kind of recapped 25 years of God having these conversations of covenant and promise with Abraham. He's now spoken to Abraham about this four times. We're now 25 years after this initial sending. And the impression that we get from the text here is that Abraham is alone having this conversation with God. It doesn't mention that anyone else is present. It also doesn't mention whether Abraham then has a conversation with Sarah about this. Um, I can imagine it's possible that he might have opted not to. At this point, 25 years of waiting for the fulfillment of this promise, uh, probably the idea of bearing a child for Sarah might not only seem impossible, but it might have been a source of some ridicule. Um, it might have caused people to view or treat her differently. It could have been a source of grief or pain um, and maybe even some bitterness. Uh, just to, to break away from this for just a minute and share a little bit of my story from this past year. Most of you know I'm very, very pregnant. <laughs> and uh, towards the end of last year, um, before I was pregnant with this little guy, um, one night, uh, God woke me up with a dream, a dream that I believe God gave me and, and spoke to me. And in this dream, uh, I felt like God spoke to me and said, you are going to have another son. Your family is going to have another son. And I don't know how you guys uh, converse with God. <laughs> I sometimes argue with God a little bit. And I, I try to be respectful about it, but I don't just always go, okay, God, amen. 
And so I said, um, no, we're done having kids, God. We're, we're done. Uh, everyone always told me uh, from the time we started our family, and I would ask friends, like, how did you know, you know when, you're, when you were done having children? And they said, you just feel it. Like, you, just, you get to a point where you're like, we just know. We're done. And I told God, yeah, I felt that. We had Raina. She was number five. And, and I'm done. We felt that. And so maybe this is supposed to be for somebody else. Uh, because we're not waiting on the completion of our family anymore. We're not uh, waiting on more babies. We're waiting to kind of move into the next chapter. There are other things and other dreams and other paths that we feel like you've showed us, God, and we're waiting to move into those. And that doesn't really line up with having a newborn again and a pregnancy. And God said to me very gently, no, this baby is meant to be a part of your family. And his name will be Lucas, because he will be a bright light. And that's what the name Lucas means. And then I woke up. And I, I told Chris right away, my husband, I had this crazy dream. I told him what it was. Um, and I believed that that was God speaking to me in that dream, wholeheartedly. And I did not tell anyone about that dream for weeks, maybe even months. Um, I was not too eager to share that story. It felt really big and scary to put out there to people. It felt a little unbelievable. Not that I didn't believe it, but it felt like people aren't going to believe something like this. Um, and I think it felt a little bit like uh, we are already this big, crazy family, right? We already have five children. Uh, sometimes as you... Uh, expand your family. Uh, people are more confused than congratulatory at a certain point. <laughs> They're like, really? Another one? Um, and that's okay. Everybody has different uh, you know, families and, and different ways they incorporate children into their family. Um, but I've gotten some of these responses before, even as early as having our third, um, which three, I thought, that's not that many. But I had people tell me, like, really, another one? You already had a boy and a girl. I was like, well, yeah, and, and they're great, but we'd like some other children, too. Um, so I just, I just kind of knew, we're already this big, you know, crazy big family. Now we're going to be the crazy big transit van family because we can't even fit all of our children in a minivan anymore. And it just felt sort of like a crazy story. And so it took me weeks to share that story or even the news of that pregnancy with even my family, some of my closest friends. Um, and prior to today, I've never shared that story publicly with a group of people. Um, this is the first time. And so, going back now to Abraham and Sarah, I can imagine that would have been a hard story for him to go back and share in a hard conversation. So, God's going to appear again, this time with both Abraham and Sarah present. I kind of like to think that maybe God knew in the same way I feel like God knew that I needed to hear from him in that dream. I needed to know what was the purpose of this baby in our family. Maybe Sarah needed to hear that from him directly. So the Lord appears again. Uh, this time it's as three passing strangers, three passing travelers. And Abraham and Sarah don't know who they are, um, but they offer them food and hospitality. And while they're eating, one of the men asks Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? And he says, she's there in the tent. 
And the Lord said, I will certainly return to you about this time a year from now. And at that time, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening past the entrance of the tent behind them. And Abraham and Sarah were very old, past the age where women normally have children. So she laughed to herself and said, my husband and I are too old to have a baby. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, I'm too old to have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, I will return to you at the right time a year from now, and Sarah will have a son. Now, I feel like um, hearing this story growing up, Sarah sort of takes a lot of uh, grief for her reaction here. And maybe it's just my situation currently, but to me it sort of seems like a normal reaction to be a little incredulous about it all. Maybe she had a good sense of humor. Maybe it was a little bit of a laugh of some bitterness. Um, or maybe there's just kind of a healthy grasp of reality there, right? Like 90-year-old women don't typically have babies. That is a pretty real statement. And so I can relate to Sarah here, this, this thought of sort of like, I'm kind of too old to be pregnant right now. I'm not 90 years old. However, some of you may not know this, amongst the medical community, if you're past the age of 35, which I am, I'm 37, um, when you see your doctor in your medical chart, all of your records, everything that has to do with your pregnancy, they refer to you as a geriatric pregnancy. So, so every time I go to see my doctor, uh, I at some point have to encounter that phrase somewhere in them speaking to me or the paperwork that I am a geriatric pregnancy. And if that doesn't make you just feel like, hmm, everybody thinks you're too old to be doing this, then I don't know what. But I'm sure Sarah felt some of that. You're too old to be doing this, geriatric pregnancy. Um, but I love the way that the Lord responds here, knowing that Sarah's listening, because there's an element of correction in it, but it's gentle when he says, why does Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard? for the Lord. I love as we can see threads of just things that parallel uh, throughout the scripture. And God is like the ultimate person of being on brand, right? He says this to Sarah, and we hear 2,000 years later, Jesus teaching his disciples about entering heaven. And when they kind of start bickering, this is in Mark chapter 10, about how can anybody be saved then, as he's teaching, Jesus looks at them in Mark 10, 27, and says, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. So it's the same message still, 2,000 years later. It's the message the Lord spoke to Abraham and Sarah. It's the message Jesus spoke to his followers 2,000 years later. Nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't mean everything is easy with God or that nothing is hard with God, but nothing is impossible with God. So 25 years after God called Abraham and Sarah to leave their home, 25 years after he made them this promise of them 
um, living in tents and waiting and wondering a bit. And God did exactly as he said he would. Almost a year later, from this visit, Sarah gives birth to a baby boy. And they name him Isaac, which means laughter. And I feel like there's some things uh, that are just so relevant from their story that I've been learning about waiting. Um, and I want to share them with you this morning because our, our circumstances and situations here might vary, right? We're not all in the exact same circumstance or situation, but we're all, or we have been at one time, in a season of waiting. Maybe we're waiting for something specific, or maybe we're just waiting in a more general sense. But the first thing is that we wait in expectancy and sometimes exhaustion. 25 years of moving around, living in tents, waiting for this promise of a land, promise of descendants, I would imagine was so exhausting for Abraham and Sarah. But they didn't turn around and go home. They didn't give up. They faced numerous disappointments, barrenness, famine, war. Meanwhile, they continued growing older which I'm sure made the idea of this fulfillment probably seem further and further out of reach. And I would think that many of us here today could relate to the physical or mental or emotional exhaustion of that situation. As a society, as a culture, as a country, collectively, we've been waiting for the past year on things, right? We've been waiting for a pandemic to end. We've been waiting for normal life to resume, whatever that means at this point. Uh, maybe waiting for a breakthrough in the science that would make this whole experience of COVID easier or better or different. And we've been waiting on individual things as well. Maybe waiting on something uh, to, to be healed in our marriage. Maybe waiting on someone we've been praying for to know Jesus, to find him, maybe waiting for healing for ourselves or someone that we love. I feel in this season of waiting, for me, that's only been a couple of years, this particular season, I have felt exhausted at times, and even a lot of the time. And I've heard that as such a common theme from so many people in this past year, just this collective like exhaustion. And when I talk to my mom on the phone, uh, she always tells me, honey, you need to go to bed earlier and you need to take some more naps. And I love that even at 37 years old, my mom still wants to watch out for me and she's concerned for me. And if you've experienced the kind of exhaustion that I'm talking about, you probably also know that naps don't really help. <laughs> There's not really an amount of sleep that you can just have that suddenly takes away this mental and emotional and spiritual exhaustion. And at the same time, I feel expectant. I believe that God's in control. I believe that he's moving in my life and in my family. 
and that the things that he's spoken to me, he's going to bring them to pass in his perfect time. I don't know how or when, but I know that he will do that. Another thing I think that we see in their story is that God doesn't ask us to wait perfectly. He asks us to wait faithfully. God didn't expect Abraham and Sarah to be without struggle or moral failing. And they weren't on either case. Uh, Their story has times where they were deceptive, times where they tried to uh, intervene and, and control or help God's plan, times where they were skeptical or where they doubted. But God didn't ask them to be perfect. He asked them to be faithful. And in Romans 4, Paul, speaking about Abraham, calls him the father of all believers who are accepted as being right with God because of his faith. In my season of waiting, I have waited at times patiently and at times very impatiently. I have waited in hope and in discouragement, in frustration and in joy. And God was with me in all of those things. And he loved me just as much in each of them. So we wait with God, and he doesn't abandon us, even when we make mistakes. Because our actions are not the make-or-break factor in God's purpose in the world. His action is. That's just such good news. Our action is not the make-or-break factor in God's purpose in the world. His action is. Isn't that encouraging that we can't screw up God's plan, (laughs) no matter how many mistakes we make sometimes? Waiting also is a product of God's greatness and of our obedience. Genesis does not mention any amazing quality or criteria as to why Abraham and Sarah were chosen for this role. In fact, their whole story begins just simply by stating, the Lord spoke to Abraham. If Abraham made a contribution to their covenant at all, it was trusting God and being obedient. It wasn't Abraham's integrity that was the basis of their relationship. God called him to a life of integrity and instructed him to live in integrity. But it wasn't a prerequisite. It wasn't a requirement. Because apart from God's righteousness and his greatness, we in our humanity aren't capable of making or keeping those kinds of agreements. What we get to do is respond to God's initiation there by by choosing to be obedient, by choosing to walk in integrity, patience, and trusting him. And lastly, on waiting, waiting does not guarantee that we will get to see the complete fulfillment of all of God's promise. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for the first of their promised descendants. It would be another 400 years before finally after Abraham and Sarah and several additional generations of their family had passed away that finally their descendants would occupy the land that God promised them. And even that wasn't the end of their story. 
It would be 2,000 years from then, after God's people had spent years disregarding their part in the covenant, disregarding some of his instructions, that God would step forward and ratify that covenant once and for all in the blood of his son Jesus on the cross, the ultimate fulfillment of this promise that began when he spoke to Abraham 2,000 years earlier. Waiting is really hard. It's just really hard. And God is really faithful. And he's with us when we wait. He's faithful to lead us and to guide us and to wait with us. I would love to say for you or for me or for all of us that I knew when the waiting would end, that I had some kind of certainty or guarantee, something that I could give you, some assurance, but I don't. What I do know is that as followers of Jesus, we don't wait alone. And God's message to us, I believe, is the same today as it was to Abraham and Sarah in their waiting, as it was to Jesus' followers in their waiting, that nothing is too hard for him. Everything is possible with him. Waiting is possible with God. Living in grace and peace in the midst of the pandemic is possible with God. Suffering and struggle is possible with God. Geriatric pregnancy is possible with God. Loving our neighbors well is possible with God. And living by his spirit is possible with God. And probably any number of you could fill in another five or 10 or 20 things on that list that are also possible with God. So I just, my hope and prayer today is that as you wait, that you would just be continually reminded that you don't wait alone, that God waits with you. We're going to um, move into a time of ministry. And I want to invite my friend um, Destiny to come up. There's a couple of specific things um, that we have been praying for as we planned and prepared for um, this service. And Destiny really felt led to pray a specific prayer um, for women who have been in a season of waiting um, on motherhood. So I just want to invite her now to go ahead and, and pray for us. Yes, as we were discussing uh, Mother's Day and what we wanted to do, um, I know personally because of my lupus and the medication that's needed for that, that I've actually been told <laughs> that I must not have kids while I'm on this medication and trying to get off nearly killed me. So I've gone through my own season of waiting and it, it might look different than a lot of other women's and couples seasons. Um, statistics say that one in eight couples deal with infertility or child loss at some point. So uh, for those who are live or in line, I just wanted to pray um, over those who have dealt with grief or loss, uh, especially on this Mother's Day. I, I know I have a few friends that it just hits them really hard because they're just reminded that it's a gift they haven't been given yet. So um, 
I was super nervous. I wrote it all down, and it comes from the heart. So um, I, I just pray over myself first. Father, may the words that come out of my mouth bless those who are hurting and seeking and, and not come off as cliche and, and shaming them. So I pray for those who endure their grief silently and who feel isolated. Um, they feel like they are spectators in life instead of actually getting to play. I pray, Father, that you would breathe into them life and purpose, the life and purpose that you intend for them and you want for them, that they will see that even though this is an uncomfortable season of waiting, that you have life and purpose in it. I pray that you would replace their mourning for gladness even as they have to keep going in life. I pray for joy that is just so great that it can't be ascribed to anything but you, Father. I pray for pure, stubborn persistence in following God as their one hope and that the enemy would not use this to persuade them to fall into rage or bitterness or jealousy because they don't have what they want yet. I pray instead that you would just cover them with your love so much that even in pain and hurt, they would feel and know your presence and that even if they feel isolated from others, they would not be isolated from you. I pray against the spirits of shame and disgrace and depression that try to gain access through all the pain and hurt that come month after month from getting negatives or from the loss of a child prematurely. I pray that when the accuser attacks their raw and insecure areas because of this, through either their mind or through other people's words, that it would be your identity that all those words and harshness come up against and that um, your identity for who you see them to be would be so strong in them that no one can beat them down. May the feeling that they need to strive harder and harder cease. This is not on them, this is in you. And as cliche as it sounds, God's timing will prevail. Please replace the need to strive with your calm and your peace, knowing that you are in charge, no matter how cliche it sounds, you are in charge. I pray for strength and for perseverance in doing right. I pray for guidance and support for each person struggling with the desire to bring new life into their home, whether it be biological or even adopted or fostered. You say if we ask for wisdom, you will give it. And so we are asking for that wisdom for each couple, for doctors, for family members, for friends, that they can show them the way to go. And this would not be just all on them. Finally, I feel like I should be asking for a generation of Hannahs who prayed through their anguish and never turned away from God, but sought him constantly year after year, no matter how much they were taunted and no matter how much they saw rejection. Eventually, they were seen and the Lord granted Hannah Samuel, someone who was just not another child, but who was dedicated back to the Lord and became his tool to guide and save a nation, and who eventually anointed David. I pray that even in this room, you would raise up women who will say, the Lord has heard my cry and answered my prayer. In Psalms, it says that you settle the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. I pray that over whoever here desires it, whether it be male or female, or even grandparents, Lord, I pray that you would fulfill this verse. Lord, I end this by dedicating these families back to you in the name of Jesus Christ. 
May they and their story bring you praise and glory forever. Amen. Uh, in a minute, we're going to have some ministry teams available to pray for any physical, emotional, spiritual needs that you might have. But there's, there's two other things specifically that I want to mention that I think there might be someone here today that uh, might need prayer for. Um, for a minute, I want to speak to some other moms who might be here today. Moms who uh, have spent the past year in the thick of a season of difficulty in motherhood. Uh, maybe you are the mom of an adult child and your challenge has been being more separated or isolated from your child during this time, this pandemic. Uh, and that relationship has become strained or, or challenged um, from not getting to, to spend the time with them. Or maybe on the other side, you are the mom of young children and you have spent all the time with them in this past year and that's presented its own set of challenges and, and struggle and strain as you've tried to do all the things and be all the things for your children. Uh, as I was praying for these moms this week uh, and thinking about the verse that we highlighted for moms this morning and being clothed in strength and dignity. For myself and my life, that verse has felt like such a stretch this year to be clothed in strength and dignity when I have not felt strong. Friends, I have not felt strong this year and dignity has felt pretty far out of reach a lot of times as well. Uh, I've been a mom in the past year that's thought, it's hard to be a good mom under good conditions. How do I be a good pandemic mom? How do I do that? And then my kids have probably heard the phrase to where they could probably recite it. Me telling them, guys, I'm doing the best I can. I'm sorry, it's not always better. And I love you so much. And I will keep doing the best I can. And I think that's been a real season for a lot of moms in this past year, a season of just struggle. And so if that is you today, and you have been uh, in a season of struggling in your parenthood, uh, I would just want to invite you to come up for prayer at the end of the service. And the other group is um, anyone who is just struggling in a season of waiting. And maybe you feel alone in your waiting. Maybe you feel disappointed or disillusioned in your waiting. Maybe you just want to experience more of Jesus waiting with you. I would like to invite you as well to um, come up for prayer uh, after our service um, and just receive from Jesus and just hear what he, what he has to say to you today. Um, I'm going to just bless you all now and then our service will be dismissed and you can either uh, feel free to go or hang around for uh, ministry time. I just bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you to leave here today knowing that you can wait well in this season because you wait with Jesus. I bless you to be filled with his peace and his life and his spirit. To leave here to be filled with his love so that you can love others in a way 
that points them back to God. I just bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Katie was addressing, there's a whole bunch of team was praying for you before the service and I want to put them up on the screen there. If any of these refer to you, take the time to get prayer today. Any emotional, physical, or spiritual need, come and get prayer. You're dismissed. You can go get your kids. Have a great Mother's Day. Come for prayer. Over there in the corner. If you're online, you can.